We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word. It's a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what is the good word? To hell with Georgia, Steven. Always, always and forever. Absolutely. So, today is chock full of news. We've got lots of news items that we are going to try to cover as quickly as possible. And we are going to focus on basketball in the second half of the show. Go a little more in-depth about the men's and women's games that were played over this last week. But we're going to get right into it. Joshua's got some football news. I've got uh, a lot of other sports news. And really today, I just want to start out by giving homage and giving a huge thank you to RamblinRec.com. We try to bring you as much news from as many different sports as possible around Georgia Tech. And I will say that my main source that I go to is RamblinRec.com. Of course, there's other sources. But if you ever want to go more in-depth, if you ever want to track more of a particular sport than we may talk about, then I would strongly urge you to go to Ramblin' Rec. And in fact, every single news item I'm bringing you outside of the basketball team uh, today comes from RamblinRec.com. So I want to shout them out. They, they work hard over there, that's they for do. sure. And they cover everything. So speaking of covering everything, let's talk about it real quickly. The, the spring sports are all getting their start. So in tennis, both the men's and the women's had... Uh, meets over the weekend, the women traveled to the Michigan Invitational and absolutely showed up on Saturday. They, they had doubles action across the weekend, and they they faced Michigan on Saturday and Ohio State, I believe, on Sunday. They uh, split against Ohio State, and they dominated Michigan, winning three of the four doubles matches. Now, by the way, Michigan, I believe, is ranked number five in the country preseason, and Ohio State is ranked number 14. And to my knowledge, I don't think the Georgia Tech women's tennis team is ranked. Not for long. Yeah, well, Not for long. if the doubles is any indication, they are going to uh, do very well. Against Michigan, uh, their number eight doubles team did win, but uh, uh, Roach and Scarlett Nicholson uh, beat uh, one of their teams. Kylie Bilchev and Mira Jason. Uh, Yesu Dawson uh, won a match, and Ruth Marsh and Mahak Jane uh, won a match as well. And against Ohio State, Carol Lee and Kate Sharabura uh, defeated uh, their opponents, and then Ohio State won a couple, and Ruth Marsh and Mahak Jane. Uh, so they they were undefeated over the weekend. So kudos to the women's team uh, for winning their. Uh, tournament, uh, or excuse me, their invitational, doing showing up very well. The Georgia Tech men's tennis team had a home opener. They faced Brown, and they absolutely destroyed him. In fact, I don't think Brown won a match. So in both singles and doubles in the men's, they they just destroyed them. So Marcus McDaniel and Keshev Chopra uh, had a 6-1 win. Andre Martin and Krish uh, Aurora also had success in their match. They won 6-3. In the singles play, Gabriel Brancatelli and Rohan Sashdev 
Uh, both earned victories in two straight sets. And then Keshav Chopra uh, and Andre Martin both dropped their first set before coming back and winning in three sets. So absolutely uh, destroyed uh, Brown. And actually, Richard Biagiotti, uh won his first set, lost his second set, and then won the third set. So just straight wins for the men's team against that's a, Brown. That's so. a great name. Biagiotti. I, I, yeah, Biagiati, I, I think. I, so I apologize. Sounds to, Italian. Yeah, I apologize to any of the athletes if I'm mispronouncing your name. I'm doing the best. Uh, hey, uh, shout out to Ramblin' Rec. Maybe do uh, phonetic spelling somewhere. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll look. And I can well, if there's probably, anything we've learned. They probably do. And I Even if they it. publish it, it's not like anybody's going to look at it. Shout out to Kyle Stortevent. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get. Yeah, yeah. If you've been watching the basketball team, the announcers Damon Stoudemire, Stoudemire, or da- or as my my brother actually texted me and said, are they calling him David Stoudemire? So I don't think they were. But anyway, in so, all fairness, though, we do pronounce Dongo's name. I, I I did not know it was by Dongo until recently. Yeah, I thought it was Ndongo. That's on me. I'll admit my mistake. But many of them have also said that, too. So it is. But I also didn't know that with the Falcons, Jonu Smith was a Janu. I did because I've heard him called Jonu Smith all seven years he's been in the league. Mm. And the next thing I know, there's a commentator going Janu Smith. And I was like, that's wrong. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, we're wrong. <laughs> oh, so. Uh, well, we're we're willing to admit when we're wrong. Yes, so that is maturity. Uh, before you get to football news, one other quick thing. Uh, and then I'll mention a couple other sports after the football news. Uh, the Tech swimming team had their first meet uh, against Queens uh, and Gardner-Webb and absolutely dominated. So they are off to a start uh, this year as well. And we'll be trying to track them and follow them. I will not give the results of that. Just know that they absolutely dominated their first swimming meet. Joshua, you have some football news to update us on. I do. Well, first we're going to get transfer portal stuff out of the way because everybody knows how much football fans love the transfer portal. Uh, first, updates on the kids from Georgia Tech that are leaving and where they are going. If you want to go watch them at their new locations, you can. Um, Paul Chow, the guard that Georgia Tech got from Clemson a couple years ago, he is going to UMass, it seems like. He is at least 100% uh, crystal ball on 24-7 sports. So, kudos to you, sir. Uh, Noah Collins, the edge rusher who ended his Georgia Tech career on a sack and an injury in the bowl game, if you'll remember. He's going to Arkansas State. Um, and then the big ones are Daquan Douse and KJ Wallace, starters for the Georgia Tech defense this past season. They're actually going to Power Five schools. Daquan Douse is going to Michigan State, and KJ Wallace will be going to UCLA. So good luck to them. Maybe we could see them in the NFL one day. Who knows? Uh, the other one, Tyson Miguez, um, I believe is how you say his name. He's a veteran linebacker, hasn't gotten a ton of playing time. He is in the portal, as is Jakiah Leftwich, who is a rotation tackle for the team. He got some starts at right tackle, got some starts at left tackle, especially uh, two seasons ago, I guess, technically, right. when a lot of other people were hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, unfortunately, he kind of got pushed to the side once um, – Connor Scaglione took mm-hmm. took control of the guard spot. He he got some snaps at tackle when there were some guys hurt, but the uh, playing time was going to be low for him. So good luck to you, sir. The big news around the football program is the amount of defensive assistant coaches that George Tech is hiring. As you guys know, Andrew Thacker was demoted from defensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Kevin Scherrer was calling the defense. Um and then he, both Andrew Thacker and Traveris Tillman were moved to off-field roles, I believe was the official term. Uh, Georgia Tech now has their replacements. So the first one that they hired was, I got to find him in this article real fast, was Jess Simpson, 
who has a long career as a coach, but it's more at the high school ranks that you have seen Jess Simpson. Didn't in... he come from Buford, I believe? Yes. Yeah. So I was going to get to that. You kind of buried the lead there, Stephen. Sorry. It's okay. It, I, I appreciate you for hopping this in is, with This me. is what people listen to on the podcast, is the banter back and forth or me stepping all over you. Absolutely. So uh, before his arrival at the Flats, he actually has been at Duke the last two years. Keep, in, keep Duke in mind. That'll be important later. Um, he was co-defensive coordinator in 2022, associate head coach for defense in 2023. Sounds like a word salad. Sounds like a made-up name. Um, <laughs> but um, before that, he was also an assistant head coach and D-line coach at Miami. Um, he also coached for the Atlanta Falcons for a couple years in the NFL. But then he was a 164-12 and 12 as a Georgia high school football coach, 12 seasons at Buford High School. So he won seven state championships. He kind of knows what he's doing, believe it or not. So he is now uh, listed on the website as the defensive line coach. I will be honest right here. I do not know what's happened to Marco Coleman. I don't know if he is like a recruiting guy. I don't know if he's moved on to something else quietly. That picture will become clearer over the offseason, I'm sure. Yes. I, we, when we have updates, we will give them to you. But as of right now, Jess Simpson is the defensive line coach. Yeah, there is no news of Marco leaving the program. I, yeah, I did and, not see And anything. I don't think he will. I, I think he's going to be more recruiting. We could be wrong. Again, we'll just let that picture take focus. I guess we will, we will wait and find out. But the other defensive assistant is uh, Kyle Pope. He's going to continue to work with defensive linemen, according to this article on SportsIllustrated.com, because he was the Memphis defensive line coach and the defensive run game coordinator for the past couple years. Um, He was a grad assistant at Alabama when he started his career back in 2017, so he's a younger guy. He was also the linebackers coach at Liberty. So he's been around, um, as we, we've seen this from Brent Key, he is establishing the stronghold of the Southeast. He is not grabbing guys that have not worked in the Southeast. So far, everybody he's grabbed has worked almost exclusively around here. So that, those are the two new defensive assistants. And then we mentioned defensive coordinator. Georgia Tech needed a new one. Well, Georgia Tech got one. And it might have been one of the better ones that you could find on the market. They hired Duke defensive coordinator Tyler Santucci as the new coordinator. He was defensive coordinator at um, Duke last year. He also worked at Texas A&M. Tyler Santucci was um, he was a very good coordinator at Duke. Their defense has been very good the last couple years, partially because of him, partially because of Mike Elko. He was the, um, the main guy on that. But uh, Tyler Santucci was one of the guys I had seen mentioned by multiple people who Duke follow and cover Georgia Tech. Um, specifically GT coverage on Instagram, he was mentioning this is one of like the big names or one of the names that is in there, and he is he's got a, a track record of success. Um, they allowed 19 points per game, which was 16th nationally last year. Uh, he was previously co-defensive coordinator at Texas A&M in 2022, where he was a linebackers coach for three seasons before that. So he's a relatively young coach, which is another thing I've seen is Brent Key is either getting guys that are just now starting as coaches or guys that have like 20 something years of experience at lower levels. So um, kudos Georgia tech looks like they got some good hires. Well, I, again, I think Brent, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how Brent builds this staff and what they look like and the players that they play with. But I think Brent's got an idea of what he wants to do and there's a process. He comes from the Saban tree, so he's got a process, and he's O'Leary's tree, and so we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, 
he's he's earned some trust, that's for sure. Yeah, considering so, some of the other hires, specifically shout out Norval McKenzie, mm. running back coach. I like him. So by the way, you saying all this, this is completely off subject, and I if you want to skip forward thirty seconds or twice because I talk long, but it's so funny you talk about all the different names of coaches, co this and executive director of this, and I just got done reading an, a book about Red Auerbach. They call me Coach. Great, uh, great book if you get a chance to read it. And he kind of talks about that he did everything back in the day. And and he says it was funny. He goes, it's funny when I watch in today's game, and this book was written 20 years ago, and he goes, there's all these assistant coaches behind the bench. And he's like, how many coaches do you need? That, that just the, – the number of coaches just continues to expand, and they all you have – got to have an assistant you know, coach that specializes specifically in out-of-bounds plays correct. on the left baseline correct. with under five minutes left in the third quarter. I am the coaching director of Hydration, also known as the Water Boy, hey, played that's by a, Adam Sandler. That's a thing. So, yeah, I'm sure there is. I've been in the minor science, league rocker leagues. Yeah, Do you exactly. know how many nutritionists they yeah, bring? They bring a ton. So, anyway, uh, getting back to the news, thank you for the little off-track. I, I want to uh, say we talked about the sports that are kind of starting up track and field also had their first invitationals uh, at uh, Clemson. And uh, again, I will not go over the results. Those results you can get uh, from ramblinrec.com, both the men's and the women's indoor track season is starting up. Uh, Joshua has a friend that's starting his last indoor track season. So uh, shout out to Wilson Go McClain. Wilson McClain, yeah, yeah. future and Olympian. I hope so. This summer, that would be great. Or uh, we'll we'll see what happens with him. But uh, the tr- the men's track and field and the women's track and field starting their indoor season as well. And also the other thing I will just want to shout out. And again, this is my last thing. If you directly want to go to ramblinrec.com, under the golf page, if you go to the website, you can just go to sports and click on whatever sport you want. And under the golf page, they are currently doing a series of videos, and they're up to the fourth one, and it's called On the Range with the Yellow Jackets. Um, I'll just tell you that if you're curious uh, about the golf team and and wondering if you want to see uh, them telling you something they've never done before or what hidden talent they have, or most importantly, the latest one that came out, part four, who is the best dressed player on the team? So having a little fun Hiroshi with the golf time. team. Yeah, I was... <laughs> Uh, Gotta be. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, go go check out those videos and enjoy them. Uh, and again, my last little shout out before we get into basketball news uh, for ramblinrec.com. And, and thank you for uh, all the work you guys do. So go enjoy those videos. Go read about all those sports. We'll do, a, we'll do our best to try and bring up news without, you know, going on for two hours. So, all right. Well, no promises. We do our best, but that doesn't mean we succeed all the time. Yep. All right, so before we, uh, so let's start talking basketball. Uh, Let's get into the second half of the show uh, and go a little more in-depth. I want to start with the women's team. They had two games this last week. Uh, Thursday, they did defeat Clemson at McCamish Pavilion, 70-62. to That was their third straight ACC win and put them 3-1 and in the conference. You were hoping, I was hoping, that that would lead them to a fourth straight win in the conference when they traveled to Duke after the men's team uh, played, which we'll talk about. the Yesterday, Sunday, uh, January 14th, they got to play Duke at, at Duke, and they did, it did not go well. They lost 84-46. to So let's focus on the positives against Clemson. Uh, They did win, uh, as I said, 70 to 62. Uh, They were led by, uh, they actually had very balanced scoring. Kara Dunn led the team with 19 points. Tony Morgan had 16, 
But they also had 12 from Kayla Blackshear, and they had 14 from Rusne August, Augustinante. Uh, I, you know, I got to watch them on ACC Network so that I can hear how the announcers say it, although they'll probably say it wrong. But uh, Heavens knows. Augustinate, I, I believe, or Augustinate. Uh, I'll have to work on that and figure out. She played 33 minutes and had 14 points. Uh, Blackshear had uh, a double-double with 10 rebounds. And uh, Tony Morgan led the team with seven assists. Sad, well, no, shout out to Sidney Johnson. Played 20 minutes, one shot, but seven assists. Seven assists, so yeah. Plus eight in the box score. Absolutely. Uh, so the Lady Jackets uh, uh, went, uh, like I said, beat Clemson. So they now stand. I, I don't want to cover the Duke game much. Actually, the Duke game was close. They were down about eight or nine at half, but um, absolutely Duke came out. They shot like over 50% from three and just couldn't miss. Um, so so what I'm it was just one of those games. They got some of that Jordan secret stuff in the locker room. Sure. From, Se- yeah, secret. From Se- Space Jam. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the Lady Jackets now stand, <laughs> the Lady Jackets now stand at 12-5 and five overall, 3-2 and two in the conference. They are 8-1 and one at home. I say that to say that this week, uh, the week of the 15th, uh, they have two home games. They uh, play North Carolina on Thursday at 6 o'clock. By the way, that game is on the ACC Network. And they play Boston College Sunday at 2 o'clock. So two home games this week, Thursday and Sunday. If you're looking for a, uh, if you're looking for a great event, if you're looking to check out the Lady Jackets. By the way, because another thing I haven't mentioned, I don't think yet, Tony Morgan and Kara Dunn, both sophomores, so this is a relatively young team. Yeah, uh, their two their two best scorers are both sophomores. So be fun to uh, much like the men's team. I think this women's team is going to be very little roster turnover this year. So get a chance to kind of get in early. Uh, and like I said on the last show, the the women's ACC division, not many ranked teams. So it's kind of a wide open wide open space. A good chance to to really compete in an ACC. I'm not going to say down, just, again, not as many ranked teams, none at this point to my knowledge. So go go get some wins and, and you know, see what you can do, Miss Fortner and, yeah. and the team. So Although kudos to them. They are three and three on the road. So to, to really compete, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work on that. Well, but. that's, that's the same. It seems like both men's and women's, it's hard to win on the road at the ACC. Yeah, especially so, when you're young, but they're holding home court. So yeah. Yeah, well done. All right. Time to talk some men's. Oh, do we have to? Yes, we do. Do I have to? Okay. Well, we're going to give you the game recap as we always do. So I believe Steven talks about sitting back and enjoying your beverage um, when I get into this. So first, let me take a sip here. Yeah, go ahead. Do your. I knew you were going to do that. Now that is a sip. I am so sorry. My favorite. Go check out my favorite podcast. What sip? I'm so sorry. Um. So we're going to start with the first game, which was a week ago. You will be hearing this on Tuesday, so exactly one week ago. Georgia Tech played Notre Dame at home. Now, the Fighting Irish are one of those teams that was projected to be right at the bottom of the ACC. Micah Shrewsbury is taking over a team and and building it up from the ground up. So this was a chance for the Jackets to win one of the games that you ideally want to win if you're going to really do anything in the ACC and you're going to compete. And they didn't do that. It was not that. Uh, Georgia Tech, 75-68 to 68 is the final score. They did go to overtime, but it was not a great experience. It was a close game all throughout the first half. Uh, by the end of the first half, it was 31-29 Notre Dame, actually. 
So they um, and they kept it close. Notre Dame took some five, six point leads. Um, at one point, they were up six, I believe. It looks like was the biggest lead, um, and they kept going back and forth. They were trading baskets. Uh, Georgia Tech did force overtime, which is you're, you're glad that they did that, but it was not exactly the easiest to get to the overtime. Um, it required multiple made shots from Miles Kelly. Braden Shrewsbury was going crazy down the stretch. Um, and then they hit free throws and it actually took a, uh, by Dongo three pointer at the top of the key on their final play with five seconds left to send them to overtime. Yeah. They, they doubled miles and, uh, miles found in Do- miles found Dongo wide open. Uh, and Dongo, you know, to his credit, not scared to take the shot straight yeah, up three pointer, the one that everybody practices and he, he nailed it. And then of course on their final play with five seconds left, Notre Dame got a good look at the rim. Oh, holy cow. <laughs> their, that, yeah. their super freshman got downhill. Marcus Burton, holy cow. Uh, it, for, for guys my age uh, that remember David Rivers uh, in the in the early days of Notre Dame with, with Digger, it, he reminded me a lot of David Rivers, who just a small guy, but boy, he got any shot he wanted. And that last shot, he stopped on a dime. Yeah, I right. mean, it, undefendable with yeah. his speed. Luckily, it was a little off target. Yeah. But. Then we got to overtime, and Georgia Tech was what one of eight, I believe, was the official. Yeah, stat one I saw. of eight, zero for zero for six from three, and it was not. They were not bad shots. There was multiple open threes mm-hmm. that Debo Coleman missed, that Miles Kelly missed. Um, it just they could not buy a bucket, and Notre Dame didn't necessarily shoot better. They just got the buckets they needed, and then they hit free throws. Yeah, Georgia Tech finished the game 38 percent uh, overall from field goal, thirty one from uh, percent from three. Uh, and that is after going 46% from three in this, in the second half, they were 28% in the first half, 46% in the second half and zero in overtime. So, you know, you talked about Burton. He only had 12 points and seven assists on four of 18 shooting, but they were, they were big buckets. That's for sure. Uh, three of seven from the free throw line overall. And, uh, Notre Dame was 19 of 21, when you shoot 35 threes, it's it's going to be you're you're not going to get to the free throw line a lot. No. This team does have a bad tendency at times to kind of fall in love with the three pointer, but in this game they had so many open ones and they just don't drop. I I can't get mad at too many of the open threes. I don't think they were forced. They just aren't falling. Uh, I think at times Damon has this team. When they fall in love with a three, it's like go drive, go drive, Please. and and they can kind of get to the free throw line. The problem is we're not the best free throw shooting team. We have these stretches where we can't throw it in the ocean from yeah. even the free throw line. Yeah. Um. They also got dominated on the boards. Notre Dame had forty four, while Georgia Tech had thirty one. But notable for performers for the Jackets, Miles Kelly with his potential best game of the year: twenty five points, seven rebounds, three assists, nine of twenty one from the field, seven of fifteen from three. He uh, he was chucking. This is best game offensively he was of the year. Chucking. And and by the way, I need to shout out Miles Kelly. He is doing a ton of stuff on the defensive end. Oh too. yeah, he's he's, he's blocking working. shots, getting rebounds. He's really working. He's working. So I'm I'm proud of him on that. You also had By Dongo, 16 points, seven of 15, uh, nine rebounds, two assists, two two steals, no blocks though. Nate George had nine points and 11 assists on four of nine shooting. Um, and then the only other real notable one was. You got uh, Kowasi Reeves, who had his potential worst game, nine points, three of 11, one of five from three. 
He did have two steals, though. So Kowasi always finds a way to contribute something. Um, and it wasn't like he was taking bad shots, as per usual. I mean, he was taking open shots. And um, the way he's been shooting the ball this year, he, he has every right to take the shots he was taking. Mm. Um, and then the other game. And this one was still a loss, but it's much more encouraging. So Georgia Tech had the unenviable task of traveling to Cameron Indoor Stadium and facing the Duke Blue Devils, the number 11 Duke Blue Devils, who Georgia Tech did beat earlier in the year, but they beat them at McCamish Pavilion. So going on the road and beating a ranked team is a completely different animal. And like I said, Georgia Tech lost, but it was 84-79. to And Georgia Tech was in the game the entire game. They were even tied at halftime. And at one point, I believe they took a 10-point lead in the second half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they went on a nice run. They took a 10-point lead, and then Duke came right back and tied it up because that's what good teams do. Um, and the fact of the matter is Duke just they, – they had no answer. George Tech had no answer for Kyle Filipowski. And Kyle Filipowski had 13, 30 points and 13 rebounds, two blocks, two steals, 10 of 24 from the field. Uh, he had a weird stretch where he missed like nine straight field goals – and then he got right back to absolutely dominating. And I, I like Vidongo, but it looked Bai looked like a freshman out there guarding him. But in all fairness, Ebenezer Dewana didn't look much better guarding him. Tafargapare had some moments he didn't look much better guarding him. Kyle Filipowski, it was it was an example of this is an NBA level player. Yeah. And a the rest of you guys, unfortunately, are, are basically children. We threw a lot of bodies at him. There was a stretch, I think, where he missed like nine or ten shots in a row. So we started doubling. We started, you know, we started kind of bodying him up. There was some success because he had 30 points. He was also four or five from three, which yeah. if you follow him is not normal for him he's like he's always kind of been theoretically a stretch big but yeah. his numbers have never really there was some success out. but he got his points and yeah. and then he was able to also pass when we were doubling and he had a bunch of assists so it, it was it was the Kyle Filipowski show there's no question about that and he had a yeah. strong supporting cast with him yeah you also had I mean you had 17 from Tyrese Proctor uh 18 from Jeremy Roach and 10 from Ryan Young off the bench the enforcer dirty work garbage man um, he also had nine rebounds, but on the jacket side, Miles Kelly had a double double, six, 16 points, 11 rebounds, five of 11 from the field. Did not force anything. He did also have five fouls. Um, Kwesi Reeves had nine, four of eight. Nate George had his best game of the year, uh, 17 points, two rebounds, five assists, six of 11 shooting, three of six from three, which has got to be a career high. Uh, he is. He has struggled from outside. He said he said after the game that Damon had told him to keep shooting, and he said it's good to see my shot go down. Yeah. So I think it's there. I, I hope so. Um, By Dongo had his normal sixteen points on eight of eleven shooting with one block and one steal. Also had four turnovers. Unfortunately, uh, eight points off the bench from Debo Coleman. Uh, two points, five rebounds, two assists from Tajon Claude. Uh, da, da, da. And then Tafargapare eight points. Three of four, three blocks, which he seems to be good for every time he plays significant minutes. He might not score a ton, but he finds a way to get blocks because they put him on the guards, and the mm -hmm. poor guards think I turned the corner. And there's Jafar with his seven foot wingspan. Yeah, um, he was very. He I, we have we've we've trashed him on this show a little bit. I mean, not trashed him, but we've criticized his play. He played very well within himself in this game. Um, he did have two turnovers. There were still the typical drive baseline. I'm gonna fire a pass to the corner and. There's, you forget the part that where there's two Duke guys right there. I think Tafar Gapare, and I'm the one who's been hardest on him, especially when we're watching the game together or talking about the game. I, he, I think, that the longer this season goes on, he's he is a great microcosm of what I've seen in this entire team. 
because when you watch him, you see the potential. Tafar Gapare has fantastic potential. He's got that massive wingspan. He can he he was on Filipowski for a bit. Yeah. So he's guarding the point guard and he's guarding Filipowski. You see why Damon loves him. And, and and I don't know how long he's played. He just has that thing of showing that he's so new to this game, it would appear. He's so new to this level of the game. Yeah, and, especially since even in his one year at UMass, he only played like nine games before yeah, he was hurt. So. so so he's he's out there learning and I think that whole I think the whole team it's just you're looking at it and you go, there. it could be so much more. And it's just not yet. Now, I believe yeah. they're starting to build on it and there's things to that I like. By the way, I'm going to stop right here because I owe a huge apology. And I don't know if they're yelling at the end of their – or they stopped listening. I hope not. But for any of fans of the women's basketball team, I have made a mistake over the last two episodes, including this one, where I've said the ACC has no ranked opponents. That's my mistake of on Rambling Rec, they don't put their uh, they don't put their rankings. Mm. So uh, the ACC has in the women's division, NC State is ranked six, uh, Virginia Tech is ranked eleventh, Louisville is ranked fifteenth, Notre Dame is ranked eighteenth, North Carolina is ranked twentieth, Florida State's twenty first. I apologize. Clearly, there are some rank, and so the Lady Jackets are getting some wins in a rank, in a heavily ranked ACC division. I apologize. Please, please accept my humble apologies on that. It's okay. All right, now, so so we have two more losses for the men's team. Yes, they're currently eight and eight. Yeah. So they so since the strong showing at the Diamond Head Classic and losing in the finals to Nevada, now we lost have five in a row. We have not won a game since then. No. So. Uh, to the fans who are getting very, very frustrated, it, uh, you know, is there any new messaging? Is there anything new we want to say? I can't remember if I said this on the last episode. I didn't listen ahead of time. I, I, the thing I keep telling myself is this team is going to be roughly the same team next year. Mm-hmm. You, you're losing Stata, you're losing uh, Sturdivant, Claude. You're losing losing Claude, and that's about it. And Dewana. Yeah. I believe Dewan is a senior. Ten, yeah, I don't know how COVID years will work with all of them. I'm not right. 100% sure. Right. I, I, at this point in the season, and I, I don't think Miles is – I don't know if Miles will try to declare. I don't think he will for the NBA draft. He he looked at it last year. So we'll have to see. I I, I don't believe I, – I, you know, you never know with transfer portal. But it sure looks like, you know, I like what Damon is building. I like – the, the spread of years that he has, you you know, I want to see this team turn that corner because uh, Damon had a great comment. Well, that I did talk about last time, so I'm not going to say that again. He said after the Duke game, he goes, hey, it, it, this was a great effort or, you know, the team played well. We got to learn how to win these games. Yeah, it, it's, it's such a hard thing to learn how to close out these games. He was talking about, uh, he was talking about Roach, and he goes, you know, you look at Roach, he's been through the wars. So they're just starting going through the wars, and you can see this team, and, and that uh, that Boston College game was such a great example. They played, they, they really didn't play great, because if they played the way they played against Duke, they're going to put Boston College away by double digits yeah. in that game. But they kept grinding and grinding, they gave themselves a chance, and then they just can't hit a shot. I'm sorry, but teams that know how to close out games hit those shots. And I don't think they're missing because of lack of talent. 
I think that I, there's just something about mental toughness, about, I, I don't know, there's just something about being able to hit those shots. When you watch a guy like Jose Alvarado, when you watch, you know, all the, the great times of tech basketball, you, you've got guys that you're like, I know they're going to hit this shot. And right now this team, it's like, I don't know. Now miles looks like he's starting to come around. He has been, he has been much more consistent in his shot the last few games. So I hope that continues. It's also looking like Nate George is now starting to look like he's going to score a little bit. And, and Dongo has been so consistent and that's been fantastic. So can they put the pieces together what I think needs to happen is they've got to get better defensively. Yeah. <laughs> that's got to happen. I, and I think that's there. They're just giving up. They, they just, they have these stretches where they're good, but Duke got too many offensive rebounds and yeah. we should be too good of a rebounding team. Those are my thoughts. What are yours? Um, you kind of, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's a relatively young team. Like, like I think I've said a couple times and I don't like to draw conclusions on coaches based off their first year. Because I think we have to acknowledge that in their first year, there will always be uh, highs and lows. I mean, just look at what Brent Key went through this past season at this very institution. Um, just because you lose a game that you feel like you should have won or you could have won or you circled as this is probably a game we should win. Um, if they lose that, it is what it is. You got to take you got to look for reasons to be positive. You got to look for signs of improvement and so far the signs of improvement is Georgia Tech looks like they have a legitimate offense it's not like the the old passenger days where it was everybody run around cut don't get anything and hope we get a shot with our last action it's a little bit like they're and I feel like it's also one of those things you can sell to recruits where it's like we play an NBA style offense so look at Nate George I mean they were talking about it on the Duke game he runs the most pick and rolls out of any guard in the ACC mm-hmm. If you stay at Georgia Tech for two years and people start to see that, more NBA teams are going to be willing to look at you because guess what the NBA teams run? Pick and roll. Every NBA team runs pick and roll. All the time. It is the base offense of the NBA. The only one who doesn't is maybe Golden State. But either way. Um, and the fact that he came, Damon Steinmeier came in, didn't have a full recruiting cycle, and was still able to get by Dongo out of Arizona and get a guy like Nate George to reclassify off of one AAU tournament, and he's now your starting point guard. I mean, he clearly knows what he's looking for in talent, plus everything that he's doing with Overtime Elite. He's building a great base of talent that he can continue to go back to, and he's building relationships like that. You know, my one complaint with um, Josh Pastner was always he never seemed to pull any kids out of Georgia, and I don't know why how he didn't do it because Georgia produces so much talent. I mean, Georgia is such a big recruiting hub for all sports, but especially basketball. How you are in downtown Atlanta and you don't aren't getting kids from downtown Atlanta is beyond me. But um, other than that, I mean, in terms of like the product on the floor, I there's always a, something I'm seeing that is beneficial, right? I always see something that makes me excited. But like you said, the defense is not there. Um, there, the the effort seems to be a little too inconsistent, and it's almost like we. We let small things become big things. Yeah. And I think that that just comes with growth and age. I mean, like I said, a lot of the guys that are playing roles, it's either guys that are freshmen or guys that were with the previous regime, which in all fairness, when they were here, we didn't have a ton of reasons to um, be optimistic, right? So, I mean, Debo and, and, and Miles, I they, I think they're trying their hardest, but they also come from two years of a culture that was a lot of losing. And so they don't necessarily know how to win because they've never really done it at college. So 
I, I think we'll we'll have to. It's just you got to keep tracking it. Damon gets at least two years before he starts getting any kind of legitimate um, questions about is he good at this? Is he good at that? He's got plenty of time to grow. Remember, he's not even a very experienced head coach. He was only a head coach specific for a couple years. He's been an assistant coach most of his career. So I think he deserves plenty of time to build what he wants to build. Yeah, I agree. He's And if you look at his staff, that's why he, he brought in the guys he did. I think there's a lot of X's and O's on the bench. Um, you can kind of see that coming out of the timeouts uh, when when BJ and, and some of the other assistants are really talking to the players. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be hopeful about. If you're not hopeful about this team, then I'd love to have a conversation with you because you haven't been watching Tech basketball over the last 15 years. Um, I And I'm one of the more hopeful people, so I'm always trying to see the positives and thing. I mean, look at Kowasi Reeves. He has absolutely, he is becoming the leader on this team. Miles is, is clearly a leader. Uh, Sturdivant has been a great steadying influence. And then they're letting the freshmen, George and Dongo, be who they are, and they're getting to shine. So there are definitely more pieces. Uh, Abrams gets back on the court, yeah. you know, against Duke, and, and he got a few minutes. So there's a lot to, to be, and if you're not hopeful about any of the stuff that you see on the court, then just be hopeful about one other piece of news that came out, and that is that Jared, Jared Mustaf and Cole Kirouac got nominated for to be McDonald's All-Americans. When was the last time... We it hasn't been since Hewitt was here that we talked about McDonald's All Americans and Georgia Tech yeah. basketball in the same breath. Yeah. So they were nominated wasn't for the it, McDonald's wasn't All American. Was it Kirouac too? Yeah, that's what I said. Mustaf like, and Kirouac. Yeah, because yeah. Mustaf is a top forty guy, but Kirouac, I believe, if you look at the twenty four seven composite, he's like one fifty. Yeah. So Damon knows what he's looking for, and he's clearly finding it. So and and I love your point about an NBA style. And that's going to attract a different yeah, I mean, type it's, of recruit. It's one of those things where you see guys that they create, um, they create you know great college programs. But you look at like Purdue. Purdue's one of the best teams in college basketball. Purdue doesn't get a ton of guys drafted to the NBA. And in the end, that's kind of why you're going to college. Otherwise, they could just go to the G League Ignite. But you can use pretty easy questions around the G League Ignite because there's a lot of a lot of question marks about that program. So if Damon's running a pick-and-roll style offense that's very NBA-heavy, and he I mean, he was in the NBA, you can sell that as I was a player and I was a coach, right? I went to the conference finals. That's a very easy way to get these kids that want to go to the league and be like, hey, spend a year or two here. You'll be in an NBA-style offense. They'll know exactly what they're getting with you. It's a really easy selling tool to young kids. Well, I hope you've got some hope because the results of the games of the last few weeks have not been very hopeful. Uh, it doesn't get any easier. We travel to Clemson, uh, this week we play Virginia. Uh, and, and here's the funny thing. You look at a team, you look at teams like NC state, Wake Forest, Virginia tech, there's no easy game. There's no easy game in the ACC this year. Uh, we've said it before top to bottom, you know, they've got some ranked and, and you know, it is what it is. So what we just want to keep watching, keep enjoying the roller coaster ride. It's not very enjoyable when you're losing, but be hopeful because this team, you're going to be watching them for the next two years and we got other players coming in and hopefully they continue to grow. That is the point. There is so much room for growth and we're already seeing some of it. Guys, go play some better defense, box out better, hold teams to one shot uh, and let the offense continue to improve and we might see some improved results on the court. So, 
Thank you guys for listening to us. If you make want to make a comment, please uh, email joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. We thank you for listening. If you know another fan or alum, please tell them about the show uh, because we do appreciate the dozens and dozens of fans who love that one all-important question. What's the good word? 